Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's Monday, so let's overreact here in the doghouse on the Believe Podcast Network. Yes, it's the first Monday of a new Diamond Dog season and time for some overreacting, even on this President's Day holiday. Well, holiday for some of y'all out there, for the rest of us, just another working day and just another working Monday for everyone who loves and cares and cries and moans and yells and screams about Bulldog baseball, which is pretty much all of us. And there's a lot to fill in the blank for all the above after this past weekend when the Diamond Dogs went 2-1 and one against Virginia Military Institute. No, they didn't sweep, as all expected. I am not going to be that guy who immediately goes in the first weekend and says, well, that's just baseball, though it's true. I'm not going to be that guy that says, well, VMI looks like they may be a better team than they were last year. They may well be true, but that doesn't mean they're good. What I'm saying is that 2-1 uh, and one is not what the Diamond Dogs expected of themselves. Yes, the one loss was by one run, 14-13, the tying runner on third base in the final at-bat. Still, it's a loss. And it's one of those losses that as the season winds on, and in a few weeks when we start doing our weekly RPI updates, things like that, is going to hurt. No getting around it. I've already seen comparisons to the 21 season when the Bulldogs lost games to like Tulane and others. Well, that's a different matter. Those were good to decent ball teams who would end up being competitive in the regular seasons. I don't expect the same of Virginia military. Now, Coach Chris Lamonis and staff did say this would be a good matchup for the Bulldogs in terms of testing some things. I think the things that got tested, well, bore out what they wanted to find out, that they've got to work on several specific areas. First, throwing strikes, and B, controlling runners. Oh, yeah, and C, playing defense, because you can throw strikes all you want to, but if the ball is not being defended in the field behind you when contact is made, then it's a little bit moot. Those are the three things we'll start venting on as we go through this, but let, let's start out with the positives. Not because we're all sunshiny here on a gray overcast day at Doghouse Central, but because there are good things to be pleased about as this first weekend played out. Uh, first, let's talk about our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting this season, whatever the season, whether it's the NBA here at midseason, NASCAR, which just got started up, thrilling finish there, a little disappointed I was pulling for the Ford team. Uh, the PGA is just teeing it up and on into esports. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and live scores for almost every sport or game imaginable. This is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite leagues and events. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, that's right, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, positives from this past weekend. Well, easy to pick that one out, offense. By the way, I want to point this out, too. I was going through the numbers today preparing for this, and it even caught my eye. I was frustrated, as you were, on Friday when State won despite leaving 15 runners on base. Do you know that for this weekend, State scored more runs than they left on base? 33 dogs scored, 32 were left on bases. Hey, how's that for a little better than breaking even the first weekend, despite what it seemed by that blowout figure the first game? Okay, that's not ideal. You certainly want to push more home. I bring this up simply because left on base 
and Morenso left in scoring position was the bane of the 2022 offense. It's early, but so far you've got to say State's hitting or making plays happen and pushing guys across from scoring position is upgraded for the first weekend of the season. And in fact, what was it, March, February last year, where the uh, issues showed up immediately for that 22 lineup. They could not get guys home. In fact, the joke, sour joke as it was, was that once they were to second and third, just go ahead and consider that inning over because nobody was going to come home. Well, they came home this past weekend. State puts 33 runs on the board. You have to feel good about that. That's progress for the offensive team. And I want to kind of get to the uh, – oh, uh, one more thing I need to add, two actually. State had uh, 43 base hits to 24 for the key debts, and the slugging average was way more than double. Uh, outstanding slugging by the Bulldogs, all ready to start the weekend out. Let's see, what total? Uh, 12 doubles in just three games already, six home runs. Uh, no triples so far. I know they're rare, but I sure love me some three-baggers. But you got to love that, and 21 walks on top of that. So why didn't they sweep? Well, we'll be getting that in a moment. But like I said, not throwing enough strikes, not controlling the base pass, and not making defensive plays. Again, still on the offense. Thank you, Transfer Portal. Mississippi State, the top of the order, with Larry Amani Larry and Colton Ledbetter, both transfers, New Orleans and Sanford respectively, they were brought in to boost the Bulldog offense. By golly, they did. The top two in the order were a combined 14 of 27 with six doubles, two home runs, 15 RBI. Heck, they were even six of six on steals. And I need to bring that out too. Uh, even as early as Friday when State had just four stolen bases, eh, not a huge number obviously, but I got to thinking back. Did State really run it all much last year? Well, no, they didn't. They only tried 54 times in the 56 games, only stole 44 bases. So already through your first game, you were practically 10% of your way to last year's total. Well, now they're way ahead of it with a perfect 10 of 10 start against an admittedly poor VMI catching crew. But hey, if you're getting hitting for average, you're hitting for some power, hitting for extra bases, and you're stealing bases, I think this has the chance to be a pretty interesting offense as the season plays out. Yes, the true test will be when they start facing real pitching, and maybe this coming weekend, Arizona State is going to bring that to duty mode field. But you'd like to build some confidence early because I keep going back to those first couple of weekends last season when State just could not hit the ball, whether for average or runners in scoring position. But you got to love what the offense did this first weekend, and there's still more in the tank because, well, we'll get into that as we reflect on the defense and some likely changes that need to be made to A, improve the defense, and B, keep the offense strong, maybe even a little stronger. I mentioned the transfer portal. Well, where would the pitching staff have been without transfers as well? Because they accounted for over 12 of the innings pitched. Yes, they gave up 12 hits and 6 walks, but only allowed 17 runs and struck out 16 batters. So if you had to take one little quickie isolated snapshot from your first weekend, I would focus on what Chris Lamonis and staff did with the transfer portal this past year. Those guys you brought in quite literally won the series for you. Perhaps you can even say saved the series for you offensively and pitching wise. Thank you transfer portal and you certainly expect more of that. I mean, Amani Larry jumps in there immediately and just makes his mark in his first game as your leadoff guy. What, 4-4 four four to start out with? Stole a couple of bases. 
uh, you know, Jake Gotro, hitting coach and uh, defensive coach as well, just he used the words that he's a fire starter. <laughs> he started some fires for sure. Just a tough kid, doesn't strike out much, barrels everything up, and he kind of set a tone there at the top of the order. And then you got Colton Ledbetter, the Sanford slugger who comes in, and he ends up hitting, what, 460 for the weekend. That one-two punch, that puts you in a good situation, or as uh, Coach Lamona said, if the top of your order is going to keep hitting like that, you have a chance to be pretty good on offense. Well, they're going to be pretty good on offense if they keep pushing the runners home, keep hitting for average, keep making the plays on the paths. But what do you do at the bottom of the order? Well, I think you move Bryce Chance up now. He's a little bit of a conundrum there because right now his defensive role is non-existent. He's a designated hitter. It's a good thing to have. Don't get me wrong. It's a very good thing to have. And by the way, he's another example of a player who it's, – it's a rare situation now in college baseball where good players are willing to redshirt. He did redshirt last year, did not use the transfer portal. And while he's going to have to get better, maybe a lot better to earn any kind of defensive position – he is really good at the plate, and I cannot imagine that you're going to leave him in the eight hole much longer. But where do you move him? Because some of the challenges they have offensively is there's a bunch of lefties that need to be in here, but you can't stack them in order, or can you? You know, conventional wisdom, and Chris Lamonis's tendencies has been to go right, left, right, left, or more to the point, left, right, left, right, up through his order. Well, why not stack some of these guys in situations, especially if you get the matchups? Because I'm one of those people who likes to remind that as much as we, and I should say me as a media member, make about starting lineups defensively and offensively, the way baseball plays out is that don't, that's much like your proverbial leadoff hitter. You only lead off once in a game. You lead, Every other inning begins somewhere else. So who says that you can't just start stacking left and right, especially if you get some matchups later in the game where it forces the opposing coaching staff to say, what am I going to do pitching? Okay, I've got a couple of lefties coming, but then I'm going to face three righties or vice versa, things like that. Well, that's what the coaches get figured out on both sides of the field. Uh, Me, I just get to criticize it all. And I'm not going to criticize the batting order this week because it was a first one. I mean, I, you like what uh, potential Dakota Jordan says showed, but maybe you move him down a couple of slots there. Slate Jordan, I'm sorry, Slate Alford, despite his issues in the field, and there were issues in the field, uh, 430 average for the first weekend. You probably solidly set him in the middle there. You've got to move Chance up, at least to my mind. And despite whatever you think about uh, his work behind the plate this past weekend, at the plate, you can't argue with hitting over 500 by Luke Hancock. You've got to keep him in the order. Now, do you keep him there at catcher? Do you work him more at first base as he did on Sunday? Those are things that it's hard to draw any firm conclusions on from opening weekend because, what, State played two right-handed starters the first two games and a lefty, so I'm not going to draw any absolute conclusions so far. Oh, and by the way, you know that Hunter Hines is going to hit. You just know it. He proved it last year. First weekend, you, anyone who says let's yank him from the lineup and move some people his places, you're out of your mind right now. Don't do it. This guy is going to be a slugger. He's going to come in there, and he's going to get it done as the season goes on. And, hey, had a big home run in this game already. So you just you, you go with a guy that you know is going to make plays at the plate. 
you figure it out defensively as you go. In state, boy, do they have a lot to figure out as this season goes on. And quickly, what, seven errors in the first three games and five of them about on the left side. That's Alford and that's Lane Forsythe. Okay, I've defended Lane Forsythe for a couple of years. And 90% of that defense was they're just not really a practical option with the glove at shortstop. And for opening weekend, again, there wasn't. I like Lane. By the way, despite his sub-100 average, he still scored four times because he worked his way on base three times the walk. He ended up with two RBI. Go figure on that. And he was three of three on the bases. So Lane Forsythe is not an offensive deficit. At the same time, the way baseball works out is if you're going to make a change and take Bryce out of the eighth spot, move him up, then you're making yourself a little weaker at the order and you can't afford a shortstop that just is not likely to get that hit in those situations. Walks are great. Working your way around to steal is great. But as you saw last year, you've got to have those hits from the nine hole as well. And Mississippi State has a history of solid nine hole hitters, if not big on average, at least having that little clutch tendency to them. Let's let's uh, title this a little subsection of the doghouse, Waiting on Mershon. Yes, we're all waiting on David Mershon, the true freshman shortstop who was unable to play this past weekend. He was in the dugout. He was dressed out. He's certainly on the active roster but because of an injury situation that kept him out of recent uh, scrimmages, he just wasn't ready to go this past weekend. And another thing, too, you just I don't think in the situation, especially after the second game, you were not going to put a true freshman shortstop out there in game three knowing you had to win the rubber game. You were going with what was going to be, I, I grin and bear it, your best defensive shortstop option. Okay, he had his errors in the series, and – while one of the errors was probably a ball that could have been picked by the first baseman better, it still was not an ideal throw. So it all goes together there. There are a lot of theoretical moves I see proposed on uh, Gene's page by our usual host of uh, message board coaches. And <laughs> I'm as guilty as anyone. And most of them are built around the fact of, well, we can cobble this together defensively and keep all the bats in the order. I've looked at them, and I have to say, at least in my own mind, each of those moves only makes the defense even more vulnerable, and in combination, all the moves that have been proposed, that's that's a bunch that probably couldn't play even standard defense, in certainly not in an SEC game. Now, I, I could see, certainly, moving Luke Hancock back to first if Ross Highfield gets his feet under him as the catcher. He was signed to do that. He was absolutely recruited to be the catcher, and in time, he will be. But you named Luke Hancock captain for a reason, because you expect him to play behind the plate. VMI, again, was an unusual sort of challenge, because that's a team that runs a lot and runs well. And sometimes it just gets in your head that you're not going to get the guy out. And how much of that, too, is on the pitchers? Do we have a pitching staff that's good at controlling the running game? That gets overlooked certainly early in the season when all the blame falls on the backstop for not getting the throw down. All that said, some of the throws certainly could have been better, should have been better from a veteran catcher. But you're going to keep Hancock's bat in the order. So until Highfield really raises his game in that regard, I think you're going to have to stick with Hancock back there, certainly because you're not going to take a chance on moving Hunter Hines out of the order as well. It's a guessing game. It's early season. But State can't really afford to give away games at this point of the season. I want to be clear on that. 
This is not one of those, oh, well, that's baseball. You can always make up for it during SEC season. Well, you can, but you're better off thinking that way if you have a veteran team with a bunch of proven parts. Right now, State is playing so many new players, and thank goodness for a lot of them, the transfers that came through, not to mention freshman chance. And even though his average wasn't great, you sure like just the raw ability that Dakota Jordan brings to this bunch. Even some other guys who uh, got some chances out there, Will Hoyle and Connor Hujak, you see chances for them to make plays as well. Simply being, you've got to wait on David Mershon, and I don't know what he's going to be at the bat. I know all scrimmage reports is he puts a sting in it for somebody who stands only 5'8". So if he can really sting and make the ball, you know, make contact, keep it moving, then that's already a leg up on what you have offensively at shortstop. And it comes down to, can he make the plays? Of course, remember, State recruited an elite shortstop out of Texas, knowing there was a great chance he'd go pro, and indeed, he did. So that's one reason why shortstop is in the situation it is. But the defense, no question, has got to not just improve. That's, that's really, in Lamonis's own words, they're just sloppy. He, he said they're just sloppy defensively. And he also added that you can be sloppy defensively, but if you don't throw strikes, that doesn't matter. But you can definitely play cleaner defense, much cleaner defense than what, already a 940 fielding average? That will not do for this season. So you know where the improvement has to come. Not just can come, has to come. All that said, being able to score runs sure makes up for a lot. And as long as Arizona State, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. You have Louisiana Monroe series on Tuesday um, and Wednesday, 4 o'clock game time. Uh, Looks like the weather will give it a chance to get these series in. We'll be updating as we go further into the week as the Sun Devils will be here. And by the way, game times for Arizona State set for 4, 5, and 1. Yes, the 5 o'clock game on Saturday uh, allows tolerance to get around the basketball game in Humphrey Coliseum just across the street. And then everybody take their leave of the hump and get over to PDF and watch themselves some Diamond Dog baseball. So summary of the first weekend, got to throw more strikes, play better defense, control the running game. Offensively, keep doing what you're doing. Keep running the bases, keep getting on the bases, keep knocking the ball over the wall so you don't have to worry about jogging the bases. Yes, there's still frustrations. I go back to something Lamonis said uh, after the Saturday loss. He says they have a technical phrase called the freebie war. Uh, That being walks are steals are the things that you basically give away defensively, putting runners on the bases without any real effort on their part. State, and I say this in parenthesis, lost the freebie war, but not by the margin maybe that in retrospect we want to look at. Remember I said that, yes, VMI ran the ball well. They were 14 of 15 on steals, and you can't allow that come SEC season, but State was right there at, what, 10 of 10 on steals. Uh, VMI had five errors, and Mississippi State took advantage of some of those as well. And here's the other thing, strikeouts. The Bulldog order did not strike out only nine times. 116 official at-bats, another 21 walks. That's getting close to 140 turns at the plate and only nine strikeouts. I can live with that all season. They certainly can as compared to State's pitching staff that struck out 36 19 walks, still too many, and Casey Hunt, what do you do with him? 
Was that a case of a guy getting frustrated after some pitches just didn't get his way in the opening inning? Is he a guy that needs to be moved into midweek and move uh, Gartman up to Saturday? I know that's already being considered. Cade Smith, I'd say, pretty well solidified his place as the lead guy at this point. And boy, Nate Dome. Yes, he took the loss. It was a hard luck losing decision, but he saved all but officially the Friday game, and he was able to get in his two stints out there, what, uh, 4.1 innings? That, that's probably more innings than he certainly planned to throw his first weekend. But now you've got him as your guy coming immediately or certainly in the middle relief situations there. I think you found your closer, the Texas transfer Aaron Nixon. He only pitched one inning, but he made it a good one with three strikeouts around a walk. So, and again, that's a portal guy, both of them, portal guys, Dome and Nixon. Where would this bullpen be without the transfer portal right now? And for that matter, Gartman, a starter, former Memphis player. And you still have yet to see former Virginia Commonwealth pitcher Tyler Davis get on the hill. And next two games, I would think he'd be out there. So thank you again to the transfer portal. Well, ULM, Monroe, that's going to be two more games to – I don't want to say experiment, but if you're going to work some people in, it's time to do it now ahead of the Arizona State series because that's a series, yes, as much damage as losing to VMI did to your RPI. Taking three from Arizona State or even just winning the series from the Sun Devils, that will undo most of the damage, and then you're back to where you probably, well, no, you expect to be better than that. You expect to be ahead of the curve at this point, but if you can just get back to that proverbial break-even as far as RPI goes and only have one loss coming out of your first two weekends plus the midweek games, I think you'll take that. Now, do they have a choice? No, but I think they would certainly take having that coming out of your first two weekends. So, again, reminder, game time's 4 o'clock Friday, 5 o'clock Saturday, 1 o'clock on Sunday at Polkman Stadium. Be there, work around the basketball game as well, because we're fixing to talk about Bulldog Hoops as well here on this Overreaction Monday in the Doghouse, brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, let's talk some basketball. They took overtime, and there was a chance for Ole Miss to steal one there, and you know they would have sold what souls they have left, and that's always arguing Bulldog faithful with the Rebels really have souls. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, I'm a good Southern Baptist and all that good stuff. Anyway, you know they would have done everything, especially Kermit Jr., to pull that one off. Well, they didn't. Mississippi State played a team that overachieved during the game, withstood the pressure. They didn't let the Kentucky loss linger too badly into the game. They made the shots when they had to. They certainly didn't lose their heads down the end of the regular season, regular game stretch and lose it there and just took total charge in overtime, like, okay, we've had enough messing around. Let's go take care of business. So as a result, here are the here are basketball Bulldogs. They improved to, what, 6-8 and eight SEC now. Yeah, I still go back to that stupid Georgia loss. And by the way, I'm not going to over-criticize the Florida loss, although Florida's going to go down the tubes now without Castleton, worst injury in the conference so far this season. But if... You take away that Georgia loss. If, if you had won that game, pulled it off, you're sitting right now where you want to be SEC-wise. Well, they still have a chance, four regular season games left, 
Tomorrow night at Missouri, a team state beat thoroughly in Humphrey Coliseum. Now, they did it by shutting down the Tigers' outside shooting game, which is Missouri's calling card. Missouri's on their home court, where you certainly expect them to shoot better, but they also have to have in the back of their minds that this is a defense that took it to us. You've seen the popular social media memes out there of Chris Jans, the dentist. There's a lot of truth to that because playing his defensive team right now is like having your teeth pulled. Not just pulling teeth, having your own teeth pulled. And I can certainly vouch, with as I'm missing a few molars, it ain't no fun. And it ain't no fun playing Mississippi State's defense out there when they're on their game. And when they had to be against Ole Miss, they were on their game. A 69-60 final. So where are they as of today? Well, the latest NCAA net rankings came out this Monday morning and state it was 43. That's three spots down from a week ago. They were number 40 before the Kentucky game, but they were 44 briefly. Uh, they moved up to 42, I believe, on Sunday and then took a step back after a handful of other results came in. That's the, how the convolutions of the net are and also why we need to be paying attention to some other scores around the nation because it's bubbly time. It's time for the Bulldogs to start figuring out how they're going to win these games and how they're going to make their own case for the NCAA tournament. Well, a 43 net is good. It's not quite good enough. A 38 basketball power index, according to ESPN, that's better. They, in fact, State improved a slot by beating a bad Ole Miss team and playing Kentucky right down to the wire. We're not going to get back into that one and the bitter weight they lost the game as much as I want to. Not going to go down that line. But they put themselves in position where they, they do control their own fate for the most part. It also would help if some other teams would lose a few games, like getting a little frustrated watching Vanderbilt just go on this winning tear. But maybe as a result, they start knocking a few teams down. Because Mississippi State's real challenge right now is where they are in the SEC standings. They're tied for 10th. Now, they're only two wins out of jumping into the top half of the conference easily. But two wins is hard to come by these days, and it helps if other teams lose as well. That's going to happen some of it. Scoreboard watching is now going to be a very popular sport, along with watching the dogs play Tuesday in Columbia. I could go through all the scenarios of what we need to happen, but it's a little early for that. I think I'll wait for the weekend and the Texas A&M game to say, okay, here's who we want to lose, here's who we need to win. And by the way, looking outside the conference, State has wins over two teams that are leading their conferences. Their lone non-conference loss is also to a league leader, Drake, who is holding their place in their conference as well. Uh, Some of the non-conference wins look steadily worse because teams like Minnesota, Omaha, and others have just written off the season and are just trying to punch the clock and get it over with there. They're so far down the list that even if they were able to win a game or two, it probably would do State no good. South Carolina now, they jumped up a bunch of spots in the net this week. Not a huge deal, but hey, everything helps when the teams you beat beat other teams. That's just how the convolutions of the net work, much like RPI and baseball. So we need those things to happen as well. The main thing, though, is beat Missouri, and then you've got the extra day to prepare for Texas A&M, and that's going to be a chance for a really, really huge opportunity, a really huge win it would be if you take down the number two team in the SEC. Not only that, you improve your SEC tournament seeding, which is something else we'll also wait until next week because simply too much can happen as we look at the first day buys, the second day buys, and as well the matchups. 
that Mississippi State may well end up needing some good matchups and wins in Nashville to complete their NCAA case. Maybe not. It comes down to what they do in these next couple of games. You certainly think that they've got a good chance at Missouri, but it's going to be tough on the road. Then you come with the best team they have left in the schedule, at least record-wise, is Texas A&M. I mentioned Vanderbilt. You're having to go to Nashville for the last day of the regular season. All of a sudden, the Commodores have just got their act together, and that's a little frustrating because you had thought as recently as a month ago that the state had an excellent chance of just knocking off a struggling Commodore club. Not that case. South Carolina, a home court, we're going to concede that senior day event as a win for Chris Jan's team. That's where they stand at this moment. They've made some progress in the rankings areas. They're on the bubble. They're solidly on the bubble. And three weeks ago, that's all you could ask for. But now we're starting to get greedy. We don't want to be on the bubble. We want to slide down the right side of that bubble. Tuesday night is the best way to get that going. And should the Bulldogs, I'm not saying they should, but hypothetically, should they come out of this week with two more wins, even up the SEC record going into last week, they're going to be in the NCAA tournament because they're going to finish then strong, strong SEC finals, a better seating for Nashville. You feel like you, you've got it in control right now if you come out of Columbia and Humphrey Coliseum on Saturday with W's. Yeah, it's a big ask, but that's what good NCAA-bound teams do. They win the tough games home and road, and they do it when it matters the most. Right now is when it matters the most. If Tolu Smith keeps playing the way he's playing, Shaquille Moore keeps moving the ball, getting the shots he likes, and DJ Jeffries finds his range, and other contributing dogs take and make the shots they should be and not force things, and again, just keep playing that tooth grinding defensive approach out there, Mississippi State controls its basketball destiny over the long haul. And if you go back to the middle of January, that's all we could have asked back then. We get greedy, but let's keep reminding they control it. This is where you want to be. And the doghouse, this is where you want to be, right? Well, if you like what you're hearing, give us a like on Apple Podcast. How about it? And keep an eye on our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. Not that we encourage you to bet over your head, just bet with your head, as the old saying goes. All right, that's our overreaction Monday. Not too violently, but uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of times for full-out freakouts as Diamond Dog season grinds on in to 2023. For now, that's your Monday evening edition of The Doghouse here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.